Hello, dear ones. It's Adrienne here, the Integrative Healing Coach. And today I'm bringing a extra Valentine bonus episode to my weekly podcast that I usually publish um, each week. So this is like a little extra um, addition because I started, for those of you that have been following me, a three-part series on what I'm calling Healing the Sexual Self. And this week I published part two. So if you haven't checked out the first part, which was around social conditioning regarding the um, life energy, where I go into... um, just the general social conditioning around um, sex and how that's related to our life energy, our will, our drive, and how that shows up differently depending on our gender, um, which I actually go into more in detail into um, part two, when I, um, which I call the reception, how we're received into the world. And of course, um, girls and boy babies um, are received in different ways. Um, but that part two is mostly focused around, um, at the energetic reception. And there's a lot of, um, well, I should say two really interesting documentaries that I've seen. Um, one was, um, the Masks We Wear, which is about toxic masculinity. And um, I hate to use that term um, because it isn't really distinguished by gender. Um, Women also internalize a sense of um, toxic masculinity for themselves. It's like the way, it's like a, it's like a, a layer of our culture um, that has been relegated to the masculine in specific ways, but it also affects the feminine, of course. And then there's another really good documentary um, about the toxic feminine, which I can't remember the name of right now, but I will, um, when I'm done with this, this episode, I will put both of the links in the description so you can check them out. I think, um, some of them are available on, on um, YouTube. I'm not sure exactly. It's been a while since I looked at them. So um, they are accessible. I just can't remember what venues they're accessible on. So anyhow, um, today I wanted to talk to you um, about really why I made this podcast And for me, I have spent a large part of my life learning how to um, bring consciousness and healing to the sexual trauma I experienced as a young person. And um, I think I'm I'm talking about this because it's an important topic because um, I think, you know, the statistics last time I checked was three and four five girls and one in five boys uh, report being um, sexually 
abused as children. I'm sure that number is higher because of the lack of reporting that goes on about such topics because there's a lot of silence around it, which is another layer of the trauma. There's the um, origin event and then there's the repercussions of that event and how it affects people in their later life as a continuation of being re-traumatized, if it's not healed, if it's not dealt with, and how this affects everyone because this is life force. And when we have wounds around it, it's bound to affect the way we relate, the way we connect, and the way we love. So um, in honor of the month of love where we celebrate Valentine's Day, um, I really felt called to address some tough subjects that a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about that affect us all. And so today, um, I'm going to share with you a little bit about my story. And Valentine's has always been kind of cringe, cringy for me, um, mostly because of my relationship to the idea of love. And there's so little education. I know, you know, people have gone to church historically to learn about love, higher octaves of love. At the same time, there's been this pushing away or shame and guilt around um, sexuality and the expression of sexuality and a lot of shadow, a lot of hiding around it. Um, that is unique, you know, a unique, there's a unique brand that's projected onto femininity and then there's another brand that's projected onto masculinity but they for me they seem to be um, two sides of the same dysfunction of a sense of powerlessness being acted out in a way of power over force um, but both of them really come from a deep sense of being disconnected from one's true power and so, as I mentioned yesterday, there's nothing, you know, nothing particularly, um, particularly um, harmful, uh, you know, um, from about, I should say, about candy or flowers or hearts um, that say, will you be mine on them? But the whole idea that... Um, <laughs> that you are someone else's, that you belong to someone else. And I know the sediment, the sentiment isn't sediment. <laughs> sediment isn't meant to um, be um, distasteful. But um, for those people, those individuals, many of us who have not been in charge or felt fully embodied in our sovereignty or taking ownership of our own power that phrase will you be mine is can be very triggering and i'm going to um, share some personal examples from my life and why um, there is a shadow behind those words for someone like me and even the words like i love you so um, i think for me it's really time to share my experience, how things really are for me, how things really were for me. Um, and it's not usually what you hear in in greeting cards um, that people offer each other. Um, so in a way, 
um, my experience isn't about anybody else but me. And in another way, it's about everyone else as well, because we are not separate. So I pretended for a large part of my life that I wasn't actually hurt. And um, that was part of a defense mechanism that allowed me to survive out in the world and to go out and feel somewhat safe. I had to deny my experience and my reality and my felt embodied experience in order to keep in touch with the outside reality um, that was given to me. And so I was split. I had my inner reality, which I had to deny in order to function in the outer reality. Um, and I felt invested in keeping the outer reality intact um, because I didn't want to disappoint or hurt anyone or make anyone feel bad or ruin all the fun for other people. Um, and there's a lot that comes with that the weight of sexual abuse, especially when you're a very young person and you're cognitive, um, you're in the, in the midst of your cognitive development, which includes your linguistic development and your ability to not only name things for yourself, but share those ideas with others in a way that um, is not burdensome for another. A lot of times, um, you know, as children, we have, we feel that we have to justify our experience to the adults in order to be validated or to be recognized as valid, like my experience was valid, um, because it's so triggering for people when we talk about boundaries and we talk about intimacy and we talk about sex and we talk about um, power and who has the right to, to touch other people's bodies without permission and it triggers all the layers of shame and guilt. So um, instead of sharing um, my lived experience, I denied it, as I said, um, and I, um, you know, it's not like I made a decision. It was just a feeling in my body that love and connection is really not fun for me because it means I have to deny a large part of who I am and my experience and my feelings were really, really hurt. And instead, not having the cognitive ability to discern or to judge or to articulate this, it all gets pushed down. And, and then it's super difficult as a child to know where responsibility lies because I was never taught about boundaries. I didn't even know what they were, let alone a clear boundary. So instead I found myself taking responsibility for many other people's behavior. And unbeknownst to me, I believed that that was my role um, because that's what I saw. That's what I experienced. And nobody told me this. It was communicated through people's actions, the way they behaved. Um, and that's where I got my schooling around sex, around love, around intimacy. And so um, 
I thought it's part of me at a deep level, my child self thought that it was my responsibility to not only be dishonest for, you know, to sacrifice myself in order to protect people. I believed, part of me believed that it was something about my presence that was um, wrong. You know, something about who I was being that was upsetting for other people. So um, I made excuses for other people. You know, if you love someone, that's what you do, right? Um, you pretend that what they do doesn't bother you. You pretend that you don't have any boundaries because um, you don't even know what those are. And, um, and it has, you know, it took years for me to realize, um, what I know now is that being a sacrificial lamb, um, never worked for my heart. It doesn't work for anybody's heart. And that's why, um, in the part two of the series, I talked about moving from the sacrificial heart to the sacred heart. And what happens when we shift our lens from one point to the next? Um, what happens to our relationship to our ability to um, say, I love you without the distortion that this sacrificial sense of self generates? And wherever I went, I was haunted by my experience of love because it wasn't based on reality with a capital R, how I understand it now, that is. And I have come to the point in my life where I realize I am no, like an approximation of what happened to me or an approximation of honesty. It just no longer will cut it for me and it actually never did and it actually never does for any of us our souls demand accuracy we demand the ability to be seen and validated and acknowledged um without the responsibility of trying to protect others people's fragileness or what i perceived as fragility and so um you see, I had to make up a whole narrative about who I was that wasn't based on reality at all. I had to tell myself that it was my fault that my uncle molested me when I was five years old. And that I was the one who came on to my 25 year old neighbor when I was just 14. And that what he was doing, what he was doing um, was actually because he loved me. Um, and I had, was so desperate for that, you know, to, to know and feel loved because I hadn't felt that way when the people closest to me seemed to look right through me and never even notice the extreme um, internal experience that I was witnessing. And me telling myself that it must not be important to them. Of course, this eventually caused me to become very filled with rage and anger. And um, I began to blame masculinity itself for what had been done to me. 
I blamed my vulnerability as well on my own femininity, cursing it for being weak and looking at it with disgust and self-hatred. Me telling myself that I should have been stronger, I should have been able to protect myself, um, and if I had, I would have deserved to be loved. And, um, and now, of course, realizing as adults um, that that was actually not my job. That was my, my caretaker's jobs, my parents' jobs. That was their sole job to keep me safe. And that the people that were supposed to or charged with the responsibility of taking care of me and watch out for my safety just weren't able to do it for whatever reason. And then ironically, right, I was the one that ended up having to protect the very people who failed me, the adults, the ones who were supposed to protect me by keeping my silence about such uncomfortable, unsavory topics like molestation and rape. And what happens when that experience is, is hidden and begins to fester in one's soul because it's wrapped all around the freedom and um, celebration of what it means to be alive in a body, including the expression of our sexuality in a way that um, holds a sense of um, sacredness and integrity and responsibility and this is even hard to say after all these years you know to upset nice people here on my podcast or wherever you're watching or hearing this um, to be looked at as self-involved or ungrateful for all the blessings that i've had in my life but what i'm telling you now doesn't erase all the blessings but it does free me and hopefully others to more fully enjoy my blessings in ways that I was never allowed to. Um, the ways that I had restricted myself and I can't, um, I can take responsibility for it, but I can't take sole responsibility for it because my experience is not unique to me. Many, many people listening right now probably were placed in the same set of conditions. Um, and the hardest part is when um, you do try to share and people ask you, well, why didn't you say anything? Like, like the event was your fault and if only you would have said anything. Not realizing that when a body, especially a small body next to a big body, is threatened that our nervous system goes into most often freeze. It's a neurological unconscious uh, response where the body actually becomes immobile in order to protect itself. And so for years, I thought I was just stupid or lazy or um, weak. In actuality, that response of not being able to speak, not being able to move actually was my body's most intelligent response at a biological level 
that tried to keep me safe. And it took me years to be able to realize, to thank my body for what it did. And to help people understand that it's not that people had it, even have a choice. Your body just shuts off when you're under that degree of threat and your mind disconnects, your logical mind connect, disconnects from your survival mind. It's meant, it's designed that way because if you had to think about whether you should protect yourself, you never would, it would be too late. So your mind does it for you automatically. And then um, one gets to walk around with all of the shame, which is debilitating. It's caused me to shrink back, not to speak up, to live a smaller life than maybe what I was really um, able to because I didn't want to bring attention to myself. And then there's the flashbacks and the panic attacks and the freezing in my tracks that nobody can really see or experience but me. And for the longest time I thought, Growing up, I thought something was the matter with me until I began to um, read books on trauma and trauma response and began to train myself in energy healing and hypnosis and mindfulness and the different parts of the brain and the nervous system and how addiction works um, and disassociation and disconnection. And of course, the numbness that one must take on in their body in order to navigate, in order to adapt, to be tough and not to feel and to hide um, because of the embarrassment. And it was the only way that at the time that I was able to survive in the world. But um, now that I know better, now that I've educated myself, now that I've done the work, um, I can share it with others because there are many out there like me. And you may have a different story, um, a different version of events. It may not have been a sexual trauma. It could have been some other sorts of trauma because our world is seeped in it. And in a way, it seems like, well, we're all just victims of this world that is traumatizing. And then you think, oh, well, hmm, are we? Or maybe actually it was created that way. And somehow the repercussions are just viewed as collateral damage, as part of the cost of living a life around those that cannot control themselves, that cannot take responsibility for their own life energy. And then in turn, um, we end up mirroring that through projection, through blame, through shaming others when in actuality we're not able to own our own um, experience and our own lived, felt emotions that often got frozen in our bodies, which is affecting our ability to access our very life force. And this affects deeply our ability to love and connect in a way that is life affirming for all parties.
And so I'm not always sure that this is the level of conversation that needs to be, I mean, I, I do believe this is the level of conversation that these issues need to be addressed. Um, and that if we don't talk about them, they remain in the shadow and they remain at effect. We remain at effect of, of them. And at the same time, I hear the voices of, well, you know, you should just get over that. That happened so many years ago. Why don't you just get over it? And I say to that, just because I or another person has been really good and actually validated by the outside world to ignore the depth of their pain for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever, how many years you've been alive on this planet, doesn't mean that it, it goes away or that it stops affecting our ability to actually connect to life and to live fully and to step into the depth of our um, potential that we were gifted with as we came onto the planet. And there's something really deeply unjust about what stops a person from actually ever stepping into that, into their purpose that they came here for because of the emotional hurt that has stopped them from doing that. And instead, right, instead of addressing the pain, it just festers and it comes out <laughs> in all the crevices of our lives that affect each, each person we contact or are in contact with because we are not separate. What happens to us happens to everyone and everyone that we touch. So um, I personally needed some time to make amends with myself, um, to rebuild a relationship with myself and to forgive myself for putting everyone else before myself for so many years as a survival mechanism because I was so frightened that somebody would be upset or um, adding insult to injury. Um, I ended up hurting myself the most because I didn't have the tools until I went and got them for myself. And I did a uh, search and rescue mission for myself. I had to go back and really focus just on me for the first time in my life. Not care really about what other people thought about what I said or what I was doing or how I was living my life. Like all of that just got thrown to the wayside because um, it was no longer viable. And, and I want to say that it had been viable at one time because it protected me. But I got to the point in my life where I wanted to be able to look in the mirror and really love, really say I love myself, who I saw in the reflection for maybe the first time 
for as long as I can remember. And that is really what Valentine's Day is about for me. And yet, at the same time, there's still a little bit of me that wonders if this is really what I'm doing really is about me at all. Um, or maybe it's actually both, right? Because if my experience is just a mirror for the larger collective, collective experience unfolding right now that has caused and resulted in so much pain around love and sex and the silent traditions we've been handed that have been kept in place, have been hidden, by shame and guilt and confusion around power and joys and pleasure and the ability to create healthy boundaries for oneself. Who was this serving? Really? Except the system itself. And I think that today, now that I have reached the 53rd year of my life, that I now choose to be mine to be my own person, to create a relationship to love, one where my sacrificial heart, where I sacrificed myself out of obligation is now transformed into my sacred heart, which is the bloom of life's passion in enlivened in my physical form and I get to be a witness to that I get to experience that where my heart actually communes with the love of life itself because simply it deserves to we all do and I choose to live as one no longer separate from where my love belongs. And when I'm allowed to welcome myself back home in such a way, I automatically clear the path for all those that come after me. And that's really what this is about. It is multi-layered and multi-leveled. And I hope that someone listening to this somehow is inspired, lit up, <laughs> is able to give themselves permission to travel down this journey, to retire the old models, to begin to have honest, direct conversations about one of the most important topics because it's our life energy and we can't really afford to let others take responsibility for it any longer, nor should we have ever, but it's just the way things have been. And things are the way they are until somebody or someone decides that there might be a better way. And they stop letting those 
naysayers, shame them in away from it, to try to control the narrative, because then they might have to give up their status or their power or their position. They might have to change the whole world. And that can scare some people. But it's only scary <laughs> if you lack vision. And I'm guessing that if you're here listening to this, that's not a place of deficit for you. And that maybe hearing these words today will allow you to actually recommit to your heart's vision and what you know is possible for our world, for yourself, for your family, for your relationships. And that way we may um, collectively usher in um, a new way of being that confirms life on every level, not shutting or repressing any of it away from us. Because we deserve to be in our life. We deserve to experience it fully. And we deserve to do it in a way that um, is safe and doesn't harm others. All right, I think I'm going to leave it there. If you heard something here of import or something resonated with you today or touched your heart, um, please let me know. Leave a comment. Um, please feel free to like and share. Um, if you would like support on your journey to coming home <laughs> to your sacred heart, I am a trusted guide who has made the journey and I'm here to support you. You can schedule a one-on-one -on -one session with me. I'll put the link in the description of this episode along with my, um, along with uh, my contact information. All right. Thank you for visiting and listening to this special, um, bonus <laughs> Valentine's episode, um, on love and sex and passion and life force and drive and will where you get to have it all, you get to have it all, that you get to be fulfilled in your life on every level. All right, keep your eyes open for um, part three coming out next week, which is um, based around now what? <laughs> all right, bye for now.